Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ is resuming a sermon series, Why?, with a message called, Why Am I So Tired? Have you ever asked yourself that question? When we become tired, we become a target for the enemy to pick on. When we come to Jesus, we will find rest, strength, and help for all the things life throws our way. We hope you enjoy this message. Off. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this, and maybe this related to you, is that why do the wicked or the unbeliever always seem to be prospering? How many of you remember we talked about that? We talked about why does the wicked or the unbeliever always seem to be prospering? Why do they always seem to be advancing? And here I am as a believer. I'm, I'm a lover in the Lord. I do all the things that God's called me to do, but yet I always seem to be going backwards. And we always have these questions and things that we balance. Lord, I'm a believer. I love you. I serve you. I honor you. But my neighbor next door, man, they got a great house. They got a great job. They got cars. They got this. They got that. And they, man, God, they seem to be prospering. Why is it with me? But I always learn this to be true that what is they have now is only temporary. As a believer, our things are going to be eternal. You see, the Bible says what we are going to obtain eventually when Jesus comes to take us home is going to be things for eternity, things that are going to last forever where moth and rust and thieves don't break in and steal. So what they have now is only temporary as an unbeliever. But as a believer, what we have from now on and for eternity is going to last forever. There is no expiration date on the things that God has in store for each and every one of us. So I want to encourage you that don't give up. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Remember, God has set, which means singled out, that day of judgment has been chosen. That God has set a day that each and every one of us, unbeliever as well as the believer, is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And they're going to either hear two things. Well done, thy good and faithful servant, which is you and I, the believer of Christ, who has accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, who has been walking in obedience to Christ. He's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And then he's going to say, go to the place that I have prepared for you. So everything that you don't see physically, God is doing supernaturally in the heavens. He's making, he's rewarding, he's getting your place ready for the greatest reward, the reward that doesn't break in or these break in and steal or moss doesn't come in and corrupt. And so God is preparing for you. So when you hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, what also is going to happen, the angels in heaven are going to rejoice and they're going to applaud and be excited because you, another one, or you have been brought home and another one's been brought to the kingdom of God. But the wicked or the unbeliever who you think is prospering, who is separated from God, their situation is going to be horrible. Can you imagine where they go, they're going to hear these words, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't know about you, but that's kind of scary because being in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy, but a separation from God, the Bible lays it all out that if you are separated from God, there's going to be a separation, eternal darkness, a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. When there's a separation of God, there's that void or there's going to be an emptiness in that person's life for eternity. It's going to be that place. But here's what's going to happen. When you and I hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, the angels are going to applaud. But when the unbeliever or the wicked, they, well, they stand before the judgment seat, Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never heard you, and there's going to be a silence. 
Can you imagine that, a silence? When you and I walk into a baseball field or on a football field or we go to a game, man, there's all this excitement. There's all this energy. Man, you're cheering for your team. And when I went to the Super Bowl there in, in, in Dallas, man, for the Green Bay Packers, it was amazing to see all those cheese heads, the excitement, the thrill, the energy that was there. Man, it was exciting. Man, you just want to jump onto the field and play yourself because, man, there was so much excitement. But can you imagine when you stand Stand before the judgment seat of God and you don't know Jesus, there's no applaud. And when Jesus reads those words, all of a sudden, automatically, your instincts will kick in as an unbeliever. Uh-oh, something's wrong. And those instincts will tell you that maybe when Pastor CJ said this, or maybe when my neighbor told me to accept Jesus, or maybe when my neighbor told me that, man, give Jesus an opportunity, and I avoided that, and I walked away from them, maybe they were right. Can you imagine that void? But listen to this. The wicked will be punished, and the believer will be saved by grace and applauded for their works. You pray for the wicked or the unbeliever, but you must also take care of yourself. So our responsibility as a believer in Christ is that we have to pack our bags and be ready so when Jesus comes to take us home. Amen? You ever heard that song, leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again, right? We have to pack our bags and be ready for when Jesus comes to take us home. But today, I want to talk to you something about very crucial that I see that the enemy loves to do to each and every one of us. Have you ever said this before? Why am I so tired? Come on. Why am I so tired? The other day, I, I have to be honest with you, I, I, when I preach to you, I also preach to myself. So I'm not just preaching to the choir today because this message pertains to me too. The other day, I thought I was really young and spry again, so I went on the softball field, and I played softball the other day, and I mean, we had fun. It was great. We only had eight players. We were supposed to have, you know, more than eight. I think we have 11 when you play softball, 10, whatever it is. We didn't have a third baseman. We, we were missing an outfielder, so we were empty-handed. We were short-handed, and we were playing good. Matter of fact, Phil, he's a good player, so Macy, you got, you, you got a good player right there, right? He's, he's all right. But anyways, we, we were empty-handed, but you know what's so funny? We, we were down through, all through the game, but then the sixth inning, we came back, and we were making a really great comeback. I was ready to put on my rally cap and so on and so forth. But then they got up the bat again. We were the home team, so they got the top of the seventh, and they got up, and they took the lead again. Before the game was over, they won 12-7. to So I went home, and I was thanking God. I kid you not. I got in my car. I was so happy, man. Thank you, Jesus. I don't pull a muscle. Thank you, Jesus. I don't got an aching in my body, man. I'm still standing straight up. And I was really, seriously, I was rejoicing until, until 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean to tell you, 3 o'clock in the morning, my left leg in the back of my left leg, it just grabbed me. <clears throat> And I mean to tell you, I had a cramp so bad, I'm jumping around, I look like a jack-in-the-box. Boop, I popped on the bed, I'm rubbing my leg, and matter of fact, it still tingles right now. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's a reminder that I'm getting younger, amen? <laughs> and I remind myself that, man, I don't bounce back as fast as I used to. When I used to be in my younger days, when I would play, I could run and go play the next, the next day, I can play another game, and so on and so forth. But I don't bounce back as like I used to. And sometimes in life, we get wore out. Have you ever said this before? I don't feel like getting out of bed. 
All I want to do is stay in bed and watch TV. How many know what I'm talking about? I just want to stay in bed and watch TV. I'm exhausted. Have you ever said this before? I'm tired. I don't want to go to, to work today. Man, I don't want to go around by all those crabby people and all these things. And what happens is because we get tired, we're emotionally drained, and all of a sudden we start saying negative things. We start murmuring. We start complaining. We start saying things. But here's the most dangerous thing about being tired. When you're tired, what you begin to do is you begin to isolate yourself right? And what happens is when you're tired, you isolate yourself and you pull away from people because people take energy. It takes time. It takes a lot of resources. Man, if you ever have people come over to your house, you are prone to what? Have to entertain, that I have to entertain them. I want to make sure that when they come to my house that they're having fun and that it's not boring. And so what do you do? You plan, you prepare. What are we going to do when they come? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Because it takes energy. And so a lot of times what happens is we get tired. And so because we're tired, we isolate ourselves and that's what the enemy loves. He loves for you to isolate yourself from the strength that really matters. Where two or three agree, it shall be done. Iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. So what happens is many times is that when you get tired, you isolate yourself. And not only do you isolate yourself, you pull away from church, you pull away from God, you pull away from people that really matter, and you feel like you're recharging yourself when really we're supposed to be encouragers to one another as Aaron and her were to Moses lifting up his arms in the midst of his tiredness. But what the enemy wants to do, he wants to isolate you. And when he isolates you, he wants to pounce on you. But I thought about myself, if we are tired physically, I wonder how are we doing spiritually? I wonder how are we spiritually? You see, what really matters is where you are spiritually with God. Because everything is centered or focused, should be focused on God. You see, I love the parable or the story of what Jesus uses about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. If you know the story, Mary chose what was better. She chose to take time to be with the Lord. But Martha was always so busy. And because she was so busy, she got mad at Mary. And she got not only mad at Mary, but now she was getting mad at Jesus because Jesus wasn't telling Mary what to do. So what happened, there was this clashing, there was this ramming of horns, there was this, this upset anger attitude that Martha had towards Mary and even towards Jesus. But Jesus said to Martha, Martha, Martha. In other words, it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Everything's under control. And what he was saying, Martha, Mary has chosen what is better. So in other words, what he's saying, in your day, in your daily routine of life, where does God stand in your priorities? Is God the God of your crisis or the God of the cross. You see, a lot of times what happens with God, he becomes the God of your crisis, that you only go to God when you're in bad situations, when you're in a crisis, when you're in a financial struggle, when you're in a health situation. But where is God when the storm is not there? Where is God when you're going through good things of life? Is that when we put the jar back on the cookie jar and say, I don't need you, God, right now because everything is okay? God doesn't have a date of expectation 
desperation. God gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. But what happens, we only go to God only when it's the God of crisis instead of the God of the cross. And at the cross is where we find peace, strength, comfort, and hope. But the enemy wants to isolate you and take you away from the cross so that you become weak, fragile, and frail and vulnerable to his attacks. Somebody say amen. amen. You see, when you are exhausted and wore out, you have no energy to stand. How many know that's true? When you're exhausted, I don't want to stand. Next week, we're going to talk about the last part of the series about why. And if you read the story about in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, and we'll talk about this next week. But anyways, in Ephesians 6, we take that and we apply it about putting on the full armor of God. And we think about the first thing about putting on the armor is about what? Get ready for battle. But you know what? Really, it's not about getting ready for battle. It's about getting ready to stand. When you have done everything you can, then what? Stand. Because in your weakness, he is strong. And when you get ready, God gets ready to pour. You see, God, listen, you got to get this in your heart. God doesn't look for people who are full. He looks for people who are empty. When people come to God who are full of themselves, full of pride, full of confidence, full of who they are, I can do I can do all things through myself. God doesn't look for that type of person, but God looks for people who are empty so that he can pour in his into them to make them stronger, make them fresher and make them better in their life. So when you go to God, don't go with a God full of yourself, full of pride because pride cometh before fall. God says so you come to me empty, and I'll fill you up. Amen? Amen? So listen, one of the biggest strategies that the enemy loves to use is to get us so busy that we become spiritually dead. How many know what I'm talking about? We get become so busy that we become spiritually dead. That's a, that's a weapon that the enemy loves to do. Listen, the enemy's way of getting us busy makes us feel important. How many know that's true? makes us, hey, I must, I'm busy. And therefore, because I'm busy and people want my attention, they want my time, they want my thoughts, they want all these things, it makes us feel important, but yet alone, it's draining us. Boy, I've learned this one firsthand. I learned that if I wasn't taking my time in being with God, I was being zapped. And when we were in Burnsville, we had our main campus and three other uh, site campuses and three other churches, 17 people on staff. And what happened with me, because I was busy and traveling at that year, I put over 100,000 miles on, I was getting empty. And here's the funny thing about the enemy. He does things subtle. He does things subtle. Isn't that exactly what happened to Samson? Samson had the strength, right? He had the power to stand up against the tax of the wilds till finally he gave away his strength. He told what? Delilah his strength, and his strength was his hair. And once his hair was cut, guess what? When they came to capture Samson and he tried to stand up against the wilds of the enemy and the attack of the armies, guess what? He was powerless. But he didn't even realize that he lost his strength until he was approached with attacks. And you know what happens? The enemy does things subtle in your life. He's like a mouse on cheese, a little bit at a time, till finally you're bankrupt emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. And he comes against you is that when you come up against an attack, like I did personally, that I was completely burned out, not even knowing that I was burnt out, until I was faced with opposition, guess what? I was too weak to stand. And because I was too weak to stand, I made some wrong choices. 
I made some wrong things in my life, some wrong turns in my life. And so now I realize because I was busy doesn't mean I was important. And because I felt like I was important didn't mean that I could walk away from God or separate from God, even though, man, I was still taking my time and doing things, but I wasn't taking the time just to wait upon the Lord and to hear his voice. I wonder, what about us? Are you Samson that, man, the enemy's cutting off your hair and you're suddenly being destroyed and you're wondering why all these things are happening in your life and you're not taking time to be with God? You see, in Matthew chapter 6, I love this story. Jesus uses this story to get us refocused because sometimes in life we get so busy And because of our busyness and all these things that come against us, what happens is we got so many thoughts, so many things that we're focusing on, that what happens is all of a sudden our thoughts and all these irons in the fire, they turn into being worried or overwhelmed or consumed or under pressure. And so what happens is that we react to the pressure instead of acting to what's right. And we're acting to our feelings instead of our consciousness, and we're not making right judgments because all these irons are in the fire. All these things are happening in my life, and now they're overwhelming me. So instead of making logical, right choices, we're only reacting to the situations. And so Jesus is saying here, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Wow. What are you worrying about right now? What are you stressing about right now? What is your attention right now? I always say it. Your life will follow your thoughts. Wherever your thoughts are, guess where you're going? You're going down that road. You're going down those thoughts. You're going down that path. And those paths sometimes can lead to a dead end or destruction in your life. So he says this. He says, what you drink or eat or about your body, what you will wear, is it life not more than food and the body more than clothes? But look at now what Jesus says. If Jesus is concerned about the birds, if he's concerned about the birds, is he not more concerned about you? He's concerned about you. You know, the other day, Cheryl and I were at our cabin, and we were splitting some wood. And uh, all of a sudden, this our, his car pulls into our driveway, and a lady comes out of her car. She said, hey, hey, uh, I just want to let you know that on your property over here, your uh, baby deer was just born. This, this mama deer just had a baby deer right on your property, a little fawn, but she took it across the road. And I want to make you aware that there's a little baby fawn right over there, and it was only an arm store, just a, like a baseball field away, just, man, just right there. And she said, I want to show you where it's at so that you can kind of watch for it. And so I was like, wow, that's cool. And so she showed us where it was. And this mama, mama doe took this little baby fawn, walked it across the street on our property, walked it across the street to some other people's property, and there was, a, there was a for sale sign there, okay, a for sale sign. And you know they got the big for sale sign, and then on the bottom of it, it's kind of dangling there that they can clip the realtor's name on and then the phone number, you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what that baby mama did? She took that little baby fawn, she walked it across the street, and she tucked it under that sign, but not only did she tuck it under the sign, she was so clever that she took the flap of that name of that realtor and the number of that realtor and put that fawn underneath that and laid that plate over that fawn. And I thought to myself, isn't that cool? 
that that mama was so concerned. They say that once a doe has a deer, they leave the baby for five to six hours. And so sure enough, Cheryl and I watched, and we were taking, making sure. We were like babysitters, right? And so we were watching this deer. And sure enough, five to six hours later, this mama came back and took her fawn. And I thought, if the mama deer or the doe is so concerned for her fawn, and Jesus so concerned for the birds, guess what he's concerned for you about? If he can take that, and Janet, he, he loves the birds, does he not love you more? So he goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? In other words, God gave his life for you because he loves you. And not only does he love you, he wants to provide for you. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. And he wants to protect you all the days of your life. But what happens is if you isolate yourself from God or you pull away from God, you're pulling away from the source or the strength of your life to carry out the journey in this life. And so what God is saying to you, listen, what matters most is that you seek me first. And then he goes on to say, watch this. I love this. He said, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You wonder why people are having heart attacks and all these emotional breakdowns and these things. And because they're so consumed by all the cares of this world that they're so consumed, instead of casting their cares upon the Lord because he cares for them, what happens is you're taking on the cares when God paid the price for your cares. And he said, listen, I want you to cast your cares upon me because I care for you. But then he goes on to say, I love this. Why do do you worry about clothes? See the the flowers of the field that grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was the brightest man in the world, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. But then watch this. If if that is how God had closed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow stoned into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You know, I never tell my wife what to talk about during offering. I give all my staff their, their freedom to decide whatever God gives them because I don't want to hinder them or, or try to quench their spirit, what God may be speaking to them during their devotional time, their private time with God. So I didn't know what she was going to talk about today. But you know what she said? Do you walk in coincidence? Do you walk in happenstance? Or do you walk in faith? You see, I walk by faith and not by sight. And he says, oh, you of little faith, either we believe the word of God or we don't. There is no black and there is no gray with God. It's either black or white. It don't matter if you're black or white, right? <laughs> it, there's no gray with God. It's all black or white. And so God says, listen, either you believe me or you don't. And here it's simple. So God says, apply the word to your life. Apply the word to your life. Then he goes on to say this. He says, he says, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows what they have need of. So he knows what they have need of, but yet they're going to try every little thing, everything. And God is always their last resort. Isn't that somewhat what we do? We try to do everything before we maybe run to God. Man, we do this, we do that, we get this hair done, we get this clothes, we buy this prescription, we do that. We do everything we can, first and foremost, to try to make ourselves feel better before we run to God. But God already knows what you have need of. 
And he goes on, but this is where he says to get refocused. This is where God says, bring back in your focus. Because if you don't get refocused, you're going to be like a train on a track that's going to get derailed. And what happens when you get derailed or get off focus, broken focus leads to disaster. You see, I always say this, faith attracts attack. I mean, excuse me, faith attracts blessings, but fear attracts attacks. So if you're walking in fear and you're worrying, you're consumed, guess what's going to come with you? You wonder why you have all these attacks in your life? Because you asked for it, you got it, Toyota. You're always walking in fear, and fear attracts attacks. So when you're walking in fear, you're all consumed, and you're all worried, you're shaking your fist at God, that's an open door for attacks. But when you walk in faith, faith brings blessings. Faith brings the Spirit of God. Faith said, God said, listen, without faith, it's impossible to please God because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you want to make God happy, the way you make God happy is that, God, I'm going to walk in faith regardless of how I feel, where I'm at, what I'm sensing, and even what I see. God, I'm going to trust you that, God, you know what's best for me. And in order for me to find out what's best for me in my life, I got to seek you. And that's what he says. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So let me ask you, why are you tired spiritually? Maybe because you're void with God. To be much for God, you must be much with God. See, God doesn't want lip service. He wants heart service. He wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to, this man, wait upon the Lord. Isaiah, uh, Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Rest your spirit in me. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Let me say, come on, right? I always say this. You hear me say it all the time because I live there. Yesterday is history. You can't fix yesterday. Tomorrow, guess what? It's a mystery. But today is a present. It's a gift. And what you do with it right now, let tomorrow take care of itself. Bloom where you plant it today. Make the most of it today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That God, I'm going to rejoice. You see, listen, are you troubled in spirit? Are you troubled in spirit? He was too. Are you anxious you could die? He was too. Are you overwhelmed with grief? Guess what? He was too. One of my favorite addresses in the Word of God is Hebrews chapter 4. I love this. He gives us a prescription or the antidote for your problem. And I love it. He said, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, what's he doing there? He's making intercession on our behalf. He's sitting at the Father. And every time you go to him, guess what he's doing? He's going to the Father. I see Quinn. Man, Quinn is praying, God. He needs help. He needs, man, he needs a situation. He's interceding. He's ascended to heaven. He's like an eagle watching down on his prey, and he's watching down on you. He has great eyesight. Nothing is, nothing is unseen by God. Nothing is unheard that he cannot hear from you. The very words you hear or say, God hears. And he says, listen, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now watch this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Oh, I love that. In other words, he's able to understand where you're at. He understands right now where you're at. 
He knows where your situation is. Then he goes on to say, then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you get that? So God understands you. And not only does he understand you, because he understands you, he wants you to go to him in confidence, knowing that if you come to him in confidence, like he said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, if you don't throw away your confidence, it will be rewarded to you. He wants you to come in confidence that when you come in confidence, he understands where you're at. If you go to a doctor and your hand is hurting, you don't tell the doctor that your foot is hurting. You tell him your hand is hurting. And then he begins to examine your hand, and he begins to find a remedy for your hand or your problem for your hand, and he tells you do this, do that, and the other thing, and he mends you. It's the same way with God. He knows what you have need of before you even ask or fathom, and God wants you to do is just come to him and ask. But when you come, come with confidence of knowing that God understands you. He's a specialist. He's not just a foot doctor or an eye doctor or a hand doctor or even a brain surgeon. He's a specialist over everything. He knows the head and he's not the tail. He's the top and not the bottom. He's the lender and not the borrower. God is above all things that you face in your life and therefore he understands every circumstance, every situation that you go through in life. But you have to come to him in confidence that God, you are there for me. Come on, somebody say amen. You see, listen, verse 14 Hold firmly to the faith when you feel like quitting. You feel like quitting right now? You feel like maybe throwing in the towel? Maybe feel like, man, I'm ready to give up? You ever felt like that? I feel like quitting? What is he saying? Hold to the faith. Verse 15, we have a God who understands our weaknesses, our exhaustion, and our situations in life. You say, well, what do you mean we have a God who understands that? The Lord will never ask you to do something he himself wouldn't do. Even though Jesus is God, he's a third part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, do you know he recognized his body? We as athletes, when you recognize your body, when your body's tired or fatigued, man, growing up playing sports all my life, I always knew if I had shin splints or I sprained a, a knee or an ankle or whatever, I always knew that when my body was not functioning right, I knew something was wrong. If my shot was wrong off, I knew it was my timing or whatever, I knew that. And Jesus also knew that he had to take time to be with his father. Jesus would never ask you to do something he himself wouldn't do. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, look at what he says. Early or very early in the morning, Jesus is laying the ground for you. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, before anybody got up, because busyness of life, he didn't want to be distracted. He didn't want to be pulled away. He didn't want to be enticed to, to be uh, uh, taken away from what really mattered. He didn't want to be a Martha. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Do you think he prayed, now I lay me down to sleep? I pray the Lord my soul to keep? Absolutely not. The Bible said even when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that even drops of blood were coming out of his pores. He prayed in anguish. He prayed over pain. He prayed for you and I. He saw our needs because Jesus knew the need that I can't do the work of the ministry or the work of the Lord if I myself don't get refreshed. Then he says again in Matthew 14, verse 23, I love this. He says this, after he had dismissed them. Why? Because people have been taken from them. People take a lot of energy. It's a lot of time to be with people. Man, man, I just had my grandkids at my house for Memorial Weekend. I loved them when they came, and I was glad when they left. Amen. They wore me out. 
We had Maddox in our room, man, for three days, and it seemed like he had an alarm clock in his head every 3 o'clock in the morning, 3 a.m., and sometimes even earlier. That little boy would wake up, and, man, you can't put out the sound of, and if you leave him longer, it gets louder. I mean to tell you, you think it's an ambulance coming a mile away, now it's at your house. Be quiet, kid. It gets louder and louder. You know what I'm talking about? And, man, I mean, it was driving me crazy, but yeah, I was glad when they left. <laughs> Jesus was the same way. My kids are going to see this. I love you, kids. I love you. <laughs> Amen. Especially you, Heidi. That's Maddox. He was great. Awesome kid. <laughs> I even love changing his diaper three in the morning. It was great. <laughs> Thank you for letting us have him. Amen. I forgot we're on live stream. She's watching. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they got a good night's sleep, but we're like them. Where? Oh, yeah. But look what he said. Watch this. After he dismissed them, because Janet, he understood. Hey, how many of you know that, man, when you go on your job, you work with some pretty cantankerous people, don't you? Jerry, you work in the prisons. Pretty tough, pretty tough crowd. But they, they drain you. Right? If you don't have an alternator to replenish the energy, where's it going to come from? Jesus is the re- alternator of your life. He said this. He went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, there he was alone. In other words, he knew that to be much for God, he must be much with God. He knew that he had to replenish himself. So listen, Jesus said to emphasize. Look at this. To emphasize means understand. He has emphasis means to understand and shares the feeling of another. In other words, he jumps in your boat in your situation. He shares the feeling, Pastor Jack, with you. He understands. Isn't that awesome? That he joins with you. He, he understands, Chris, right where you're at. He knows where you're going. And he says, but all you have to do is trust me. You see, that's why Matthew 11, verse 28, says these words. It says, come to me. You see, you draw near to God, James says. And then what? He'll draw near to you. So how do you draw near to God? You come. You know, if a cow knows when you come off and then you yell down in the field, come boss, come boss, and they line up a single file, they come up the hill, they walk right to their stanchion because you know why? They know they're going to get fed. They know they're going to get water. They know they're going to get milked. They know they're going to get bedded. And they know all these things. So I'm going to come because I know that when I come to the barn, this is a cow. Well, they say it was one of the dumbest animals. If they're smart enough to come, why don't we come? He says, come to me, all who are weary. Are you weary? We started out this thing, why am I so tired? Are you weary and burdened? I will give you Rest. Doesn't that sound like a great trade? What a great trade-off that God says, you come and I'll give you rest. Isn't that what we need a lot of times? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you say, well, pastor, how should I come? Number one, how should we come? Come humble. 
That God, I humble myself. James 4.10, I humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble means letting go. That God, not my will, not my agenda, not my plans, my things, but God, I humble myself before you. I humble myself before you, God. Not my will be done. Like I said earlier, he doesn't look for full. He looks for empty. And he wants you just to come humble. God, here I am. I'm broken. God, I'm weak. God doesn't care if you admit that you're fragile, frail, and broken. That's what he wants from you because he takes your brokenness and he makes you whole again. Number two, come open. When you come open, it means for direction, correction, and even rebuke. We don't like that, do we? Have you ever read the Word of God and it's speaking right to you and you don't like it? So what do you do? You turn the page. Well, I don't like that one. Let's speak of some. Ah, it's because maybe he's trying to get your attention. Maybe he's trying to redirect you. Maybe he's trying to rebuke you or correct you because you're going down dead ends and you're wondering why. But God said, just come open. Open to hear the direction, correction for you. And then how do I come? I come expecting. David said in Psalms 5, verse 3, early in the morning I lay my request before the Lord and I wait in expectation. And here's what, to expect means to be refreshed. That God, I come to be refreshed. God, I want to be refreshed. Why do you go to God in the first place? To be refreshed and then blessed. Blessed with what? His strength, his presence, his power in your life. Amen? In John 6, verse 33. John 6, look what it says. John 6, 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Now look what he says. Will come to me. And whoever, unbeliever, believer, Jew, Gentile, comes to me, I will never drive away. So it doesn't matter what condition you are when you come, but he just wants you to come. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, where you come from. He just wants you to Come. Come. What's holding you back? I don't see any bits in your mouth like horses. What holds you back sometime is your pride. Say, I, I don't want to come. I'm ashamed. God already knows it. You don't have to be ashamed. He already knows what you're going through. So I love this. We come. It doesn't matter. Jesus, to the believer, unbeliever, he just wants you to come to him. So God has a three-course meal, and I close with this. The three-course meal when you come. You ever notice when you go to, and you go to a fancy restaurant, they usually have a three-course meal? You can study this yourself. But why do they serve the salad first? You ever notice that? Why salad first? Check it out. They serve a salad first to get you comfort. It's comfort food. It settles down your digestion system. Check it out for yourself. It prepares you for the heavier things. So it kind of settles you down. It gets you ready and gets your appetite ready for the bigger meal, whether it be steak or shrimp or lobster, whatever the case may be that you like. After you leave here, now you're going to go buy steak, shrimp, or lobster. I'm in. I had a pastor that I worked for, man. He would talk about Pepsi. And the moment he got off the pulpit, the first thing he ran to was his office to get a Pepsi. So you're going to run to adventures and going to get a steak. I know. All right. But you settle yourself and you prepare yourself. So look at how the three-course meal starts out. Three-course meal, number one, when you come, you will find rest. In other words, it settles you down. It prepares you, positions you, Garrett, to receive the bigger things. It positions you to receive the bigger things, Rachel, in your life. 
So he says, come and you will find rest. And you have your notes. What is rest? Rest to refresh, restore, and get you back on your way. That's what God's all about. To refresh you, restore you, to bandage you up, and get you back on your way. But you'll never find that if you never rest. Number two, rest your mind, the battlefield of the mind. Many of you right now probably have a million thoughts in your mind. And the first thoughts in your mind, Pastor, will you just be quiet so we can get out of here? A million thoughts. But just to rest your mind. Just take a chill pill. Relax. Your mind, body, soul, and spirit so that you will be able to hear his voice. My sheep heareth my voice, and they follow after me. But how can you hear the voice if you're always walking in static? And God just wants you to rest. Number two, the second course. This is the fun part, your steak. Come and dine and eat. If you read those verses in John 21, 12 through 13, it talks about breakfast. That this was early in the morning that Jesus was serving his disciples breakfast. Look it up for yourself. And he was serving them breakfast. And what is your best meal of the day? Breakfast. He was starting them off with the best meal of the day. Come and eat. Come and get refreshed. Come and get renewed. You see, listen, Jesus gives us spiritual food. We need to be able to stand our ground when the unexpected happens. How many of you know the unexpected is going to happen in your life? The enemy doesn't fight fair. But when it does happen, guess what? You're ready. Because I've been in the presence of the Lord. I've been at the table. I've been dining at his feet. I haven't been a Martha, but I've been a Mary. So whatever you throw at me, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Because why? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus our Lord. All because of your intimate relationship with God by spending time with him. Without the spiritual food of his word, prayer, and fellowship, we are vulnerable to the attacks or defeat. You are a bullseye for the enemy. He always looks for the weakest one of the length or the weakest one in the herd. And he'll spot you out, he'll single you out, he'll isolate you, and then he'll pounce on you. And then lastly, the dessert. My grandmother always said, CJ, make sure you save your fork. And every time she said that, it was a reminder that dessert is coming. Here's the best part. Why do you think you have water or tea or coffee when you go out to eat? It's to wash it all down. God says, come and drink. If any man is thirsty, let him come and drink, and streams of living water will flow from within him. Ever think about the stream? It washes away the old and brings in the new. Some of us need new. Some of us need a new facelift. Some of us need, man, just a new challenge, a new excitement, a new zeal, a new purpose, a new plan, but you never find it. You see, listen, without the living water, we are dehydrated and lose our spiritual mass and strength to stand. And I want to encourage you. Man, why are you so tired? Maybe you're missing the mark and you're missing what matters most. And that's being in the presence of the Lord. I close. When I was first became a Christian, and I didn't even know about being in prayer and reading the word and all these things. I didn't I really, seriously, I didn't know any about that. I didn't know how to build my spiritual strength and my spiritual mass with God. I didn't know any of that. But I did know this. I knew the song, Surely the Presence of the Lord is in this place. 
And I would put that song on over and over again, and I'd play it with those big old earphones. I looked like I had Mickey Mouse ears. Remember those big old headphones? Now they got those real streamlined ones. They got the beats and all this kind of stuff. But back in my day, they had those ones that stuck out like that, right? And I'd put those bad boys on, and I'd play that song, Surely the Presence of the Lord is in this place. And my prayer was, God, if you're for real and you're in this place, touch me, give me the strength and the ability to stand strong. To be able to fight off the wiles of the enemy and the temptations that I go through in life. And guess what? Because I stayed in his presence and because I believed, God gave me the ability to stand strong. And I'm still standing today. And I want to encourage you, spend time with God. God's waiting for you. God's waiting for you. He's giving you an invitation. He's waiting for you. He's got a room number. And it's not room 222. He's got your name on it. And he's got a room for you. And he said, will you come? Will you stand with me this morning? God wants you to come. This morning, I believe that God wants to just touch you. He just wants to touch you. Maybe it's time to get refocused again. Maybe it's time to say, God, here I am. I come back home to you. I come back home to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, why are we so tired? Because, Lord, maybe we're missing the mark. Maybe we're allowing busyness, things that have seemed of importance, pull us away from what matters most. And I pray as we're really embarking in this summer, Lord, that we will remember you first. That we will remember you first in all that we do because it's you that matters most. Everything will pass away, but your word will stand forever. And Lord, we establish our foundation on your word, your presence, and your spirit. And I pray that you would touch this congregation, that you will ignite us, put a fire under us, fan into flame the gifts and the calling within our lives, that we will become all that you want us to be. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, wonderful congregation. Bless them. Put a heart, as David said, as the deer pants for the water, so their soul will pant after thee. Go with us now, I pray, and may your spirit ever be so present. Bring us back tonight as we pray for the sick, Lord God, and believe for miracles. For we ask this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Now, come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. I want to challenge you now. Seek him while he may be found. God bless you today. See you tonight. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.